You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. I wanna be a producer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Producer's Perspective podcast. Today, I am in one of the busiest offices on Broadway. I literally tripped over about 100 chorus boys and chorus girls on my way into this office. I am in the offices of Telsey and Company, talking to the founder of that company, Broadway casting director, Bernie Telsey. Welcome, Bernie. Hey, how are you? Okay, now, this is where I would start listing the credits of my guest. And if I did list Bernie's credits, you could probably listen to this podcast on a flight from here to China, and I'd still be rattling them off. So I will name just a few. Rent, never heard of it. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, Wicked, I think you're getting the picture. Uh, this season alone, Bernie is responsible for getting jobs for actors in King and I, Finding Neverland, American in Paris, as well as a host of plays like Hand of God, Love Letters, This is Our Youth, and plenty, plenty more. Check out their Playbill Vault page for the long, long list of credits. Uh, in addition to that, they also cast regional productions, television, like the telecasts of Peter Pan, Sound of Music, as well as the everyone's favorite TV show, Smash, that we all miss, I know. Uh, Masters of Sex, uh, they also cast movies, commercials, and a ton more. It's ridiculous. This resume reads like a Broadway world thread of shows I want to work on. So, Bernie, we'll start at the beginning. <laughs> with that all was those... a great intro, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, with, with all that long list, Tell me about how you got your start, how you how you started in the fabulous world of casting. I went to, I'll give you the short story, but I went to NYU for the theater management program. And my professor at the time was Barbara Hauptman, who was running uh, TDF, 
And then she went on to STC and she was, you know, she ran a Twilight Tharps company. And she introduced me to Meg Simon and Frank Human right when I was graduating from NYU, who were two wonderful, wonderful, strong casting directors who did a ton of the Broadway plays and regional plays and Ryan's Hope Television. And I worked as their assistant doing their bookkeeping and their books. And then I wound up staying there six years because I just, after the first month, loved it. I just started going to the theater all the time with Megan Fran and getting to watch auditions and started realizing that this is something different than producing, but that I really had a knack for and a love for. And then just worked for them for the six years. And then I worked a little bit afterwards for Billy Hopkin and Risa Brayman working freelance on movies and commercials. And then in about 88, I opened up my own office. And what was the first client you had? When you uh, it was a Diet Dr. Pepper commercial because uh, I had done uh, commercials at recent Billy's. And then sort of the commercials took off and they said, you know, go open up your own shingle and do the commercials. And I was able to do... At that time, I was also had met Bob Lapone and Will Cantler and we were starting this club called MCC and... So doing the commercials was the perfect way for me to, uh, you know, also do the MCC thing. So I did commercials for a few years and then some regional theater, which then led to Hartford Stage and the Goodman Theater and then led to Rent. Now, one of the things that I find as a producer is whenever I meet people, which is usually on a golf course or not in our industry, uh, they ask me what I do and I say, oh, I, I produce Broadway shows. And then they say, cool. What does that mean? Uh, so if you met someone on a golf course, I imagine you get this question a lot when yes. you meet people outside the industry and you said, I'm a casting director. And they say, cool, what does that mean? How would you right. describe what you do? Uh, that's a good one. I, you know, we're the people who help provide the acting choices for the producers that we're working for or the directors or the writers, uh, you know, the whole creative team. Sometimes it's the studios if it's a movie or television. Uh, but basically, we provide them with the casting ideas. And sometimes it's two years of auditions. Sometimes it's a list of ideas that we're going to make offers to. We're basically, or we're doing a search for something like Rent, so you can work on it for nine months, you know, for the off-Broadway production. But basically, our job is to know the actors that are out there who can possibly be a choice for our team. And depending on the list, the project, and how we do that. So we're going to get back to Rent in a second. Uh, but the casting director position hasn't always existed on Broadway. It's one of, as Broadway shows gotten bigger and bigger, it was born. Yeah. Do you know a little bit about when that happened or uh, why it happened even? I, you know, if, if I go back to the early sort of casting directors, even before the Broadway stuff, you know, it used to be done out of the offices of the producers. And a lot of times it was the producer's secretary or the producer's assistant. Those are the sort of old war stories of, you know, where casting came from. I don't know actually what was the first show on Broadway that actually had a casting director, but, you know, it probably was Johnson and Liff, you know, in the sense of, I mean, they were around and so was Megan Fran. I mean, I would say, you know, I'm not going to say the 70s, but that's probably just because that's when I started paying attention. But I'm sure even before then... Whether or not it was a casting director office or it was a producer's assistant, I don't know about the 60s. But in the 70s, already people like, you know, uh, Vinny and Jeff were casting and Megan Fran were casting. And, uh, 
you know, there was a slew. Julia Taylor was doing Broadway shows. I mean, there was a slew of casting directors. I just think it's become in the last 10 to 15 years a bigger profession where people know it's a profession. It's not just a job. You know, there was always casting directors, but we were probably the best kept secret. And now people are aware of what goes into it. You know, and that started with probably the CSA, the Casting Society of America, and promoting our profession. And now we get title page billing on playbills or main title billing on movies. A Tony Award, maybe, in the future. In the future. In the near future. I mean, when you think about it, of course, it, it it's amazing because the you are designers of shows in a way. Right. I mean, look, I say often on the blog that plays and musicals were not meant to be read. They were meant to be seen and heard and you are adding such an important element to that. Right. So, no, we do think of ourselves as part of that creative team and part of that design team, very much so. When someone, when you're at an audition uh, and someone walks in a room, have you ever had an experience where you're like, oh, that that person, that person right there, there's something... Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, you know, you start to feel it inside. You know, I mean, you get like a little like, it's, you get the shivers. It's like that, you know, instant attraction that happens on a blind date, you know what I mean? But in an audition room, it's because you know what it is you're looking for. Sort of like on a blind date, you think you know what you're looking for and you're in the opposite that you're wanting to attract. But we know all these things. We have this breakdown, we have this type, we have this personality, and sometimes you can just see it when they walk in the door, even before they start acting. You know, and, and you know, it's not as quick as that because also we know that actors work. So it's that mixed with seeing them in the light of this character that we're actually looking for today. Sometimes it's an instant feeling, you know. Any stories of watching a, a star to be come in the room? Do you remember any of the people that are that you've discovered yeah. over? The I mean, years? when I'm sure your writers, your writer, your listeners, you know, it happens all the time, you know, and maybe because you said rent, but you know, I'll never forget the day Adina Menzel came in for down to the New York Theater Workshop, you know, and she was, you know, some Long Island girl, you know, who was singing at bar mitzvahs. I mean, I know everyone knows that story because they've read it, but even then, resume-wise, she'd gone to NYU and was singing in bar mitzvahs. I mean, even resume-wise, that's all she had on her resume. But she walked in, and I, you know, with this unbelievable plaid leather suede skirt, you know, that was just totally East Village and just perfect for what we all knew after months and months of auditioning for Maureen. And she just had that energy, you know, and then you, it's those kind of moments that you then go, oh, I hope she can sing. You know what I mean? Because that was the show where we were seeing unknowns all the time. So it was almost better when we didn't know their credits and they didn't have four Broadway plays, you know, I mean, because it happened the same thing with Wilson Heredia and the same thing with Adam Pascal. I mean, that show was just filled with, you know, and then you had your Anthony Raps and Jesse Martins, who were known actors that you knew in the regions. But, uh, yeah, when Adina came in or when Adam came in, it was like, oh my God, they're it. And then they start singing and you're like, oh, they're really it. You know, and then they start acting. You're like, no, no, they're really, really, really it. You know, and then they get cast, you know, and then bingo. I would have loved to have had a camera in that room when they left. When oh. they walked out the door and the door shut. And no, no. you guys looked at each oh, other. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable experience because it was. It took so long. And then when the right people came in, it was magic. But 
Now let's tell the opposite story. Any any examples of times when people have come in and you've known you've you they audition or you know this person from line, you know they're perfect. Everyone else disagrees with you, and you've had to lobby so hard to get everyone to yeah, to, to pay see attention. That? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the challenge of the job, and it's what I look forward to most because it's really then about the collaboration that I have and my staff has with the creative teams that we're working with. You know, because it's really hard thing, casting. And I don't mean our part of the job. The day that you're in a room with anywhere from 5 to 12 people on a creative team, and you're having to make a decision and all agree. I mean, that doesn't happen in most industries. There's a hierarchy, and you do what that boss says. And yes, there's a hierarchy here in the director has the final or the producer has the final, but it's such a collaborative industry. No one likes to wear that power. So they want to, as a room, collectively decide, even if we're leaning towards the, you know, the end being the director. So it's really a hard decision. I always say it's like your whole entire family the day after Thanksgiving, and now you're going to just order a pizza and everyone agreeing what to get on the pizza. Like no one wants the same thing, you know. And in this case, casting usually happens before the team has really learned to mold and collaborate together because they've all been working independently and now they're going to begin to work as a unit. And so they don't have that history that they have by the time they get to opening night. They don't have that shorthand. And so, you know, and if it's a lot of new people, which, you know, half the time, most of the time there's some new people, there's tiptoeing and and then you have on the other end the experience of the whole idea of auditioning that decisions are made based on, you know, a good audition or a bad audition. You know, and so I feel like it's our job to sort of make sure at least everyone in the room knows the person's work. Because sometimes even the resume is not making it across the table. Or it's our job to say, oh, no, no, they really did that last night. Or they really can sing higher. They just didn't do it in that song choice. I mean, there's a million different things that I feel like we can say. First, it's got to be about informing, you know. And then sometimes if I feel... Like, this actor really is what I've heard this director and this team really talk about wanting, and then they're just not seeing it, then you start to lobby and campaign. You know, it's not about lobbying for my choice, because I know I'm there to serve that director's vision. Even if I disagree, I'm serving, you know, I'm hired to do, to find the people for the story that they want to tell. And everyone tells different stories. So... I only start to lobby if it's really like I feel like that actor has what it is that you're talking about. And that's different. Rather than I'm just lobbying for Jimmy because I love Jimmy. So I try to, I'm lobbying for Jimmy because he is what you're talking about. And that's what I have to get you or help you understand. So it doesn't make it personal. And those conversations are what you love about certain collaborations that you have with people. But it's hard. Because at the same time, you need the actor to do what they need to do in an audition, which is persuade the room, not just have me or my staff persuade the room. You know, That's what I think about auditions all the time, is that we expect these people to come in there and deliver these opening night or even a year into the run well, performances. Right, right. Well, that's the other tricky part. And that's what I have to try to remind teams. It's like, it's a process. They haven't been through rehearsal. 
they've maybe been given a few tips by the casting office or not at all. So how do you expect them to be at that result already? You know, and yet understandably everybody behind the table, you know, is nervous. They want it to be, you know, they don't want to have to reject people. That's why I always say to actors all the time. It's like, think of it. You can see 50 people, 9 people, 100 people. Only one person gets the job. That means everyone behind that table is rejecting people. Nobody wants to, you know, I'm used to doing that. And I still don't think of it as rejecting. It just means you didn't get hired. But it's really hard for the creative team to pick the one person and not pick all the others. So, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes you have to say to the teams, it's a process. They, that actor needs to go through rehearsal. And at the same time, you know, you tell the actor they got to deliver. And it's always, we always forget that it's under a time crunch too often. Yes, yes. Like you've got a yeah. rehearsal starting and you're right. searching for the perfect one and your producers and directors are saying, that's not it. That's right. not it. Let's keep going, keep going, you know. And sometimes it's great to keep going because that's when you find the person. But sometimes it could be a role like, it doesn't matter how many times we keep going. This is who's out there that's available and interested in the project today. We need to make a decision and go with that leap of faith. You know, and there's a million people, you know, that you then see opening night and they get the best reviews and the team loves and you go, oh my God, they almost didn't get hired. Or everyone hired them under duress and now look, you know, you have to remember people change, people grow, actors get better. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a very sensitive, high, nervous making part of the process, I think, casting for teams. And you uh, mentioned a very interesting point about who's interested and available in this project right now because one of the things I even hear from people is like, Ken, I've got this great show. I've got this great... I, I'm gonna, I want Hugh Jackman to play the lead. Right. And of course, that's what everyone wants. And everyone. <laughs> I do too, so <laughs> I will admit it. But we have to understand where we are. Right. How do you deal... What's your producer relationship like in those cases where you have to manage expectations of yeah, who's I mean, going to do your show? Yeah, that's exactly what we have to do, you know, and it doesn't mean we're making any judgments on that show by saying you Jackman's never going to do it. But we have information. We're talking to the agents and the managers every day, whether it be about a movie, television or a play or something upcoming. Uh, so, so much of the job is managing expectations and there's ways to do it. And there's, you know, it's a relationship and you have to finesse and you have to be careful and you have to make sure that your team understands and not being available and not being interested sometimes has nothing to do with even whether they like your project or not. You know, it's just, they're not going to do that because, you know, that actor, I'm not even saying Hugh Jackman, but this particular actor is only going to work with these three directors. But, you know, there's so many pieces that we're on top of and we know and, you know, but at the same time, as much as I say that, you go, let's try. I mean, just had it recently. Never would have thought this person would have done this television show. I would have, I didn't get to the point of saying that, thankfully. But in my mind, I would have been like, here are the 10 reasons they're never going to do it. And they're doing it. You know, so you, sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you go, let's try. You know what I mean? But 
let's also be realistic and let's also be open to other ideas. What do you think about the current state of stars on Broadway? You know, there's a lot of them. You know, I got to say, you know, I'm twofold. You know, they're good. I mean, I can't sit here and, you know, even if we weren't on, you know, live or, or recording, I can't name even a handful of ones who I think were bad in that particular play or musical. And that, in fact, they were good. So I get it. So why shouldn't the good star get to work just like the good unstar? And I get it with the price of tickets. You need something else that's going to attract the ongoing audience that's going to come eight times a week for six months. So I understand the business and the economics are different than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So you need that. But at the same time, you know, it's not about feeling bad. There's so many other great stage actors that you remember the day, even when I was casting, when that was enough for them to star in that play because the play was so good and the play is what people wanted to see. And unfortunately, it's not the producer's fault, I don't think. It's just the way the economics has been. That good play isn't sometimes enough. You know, but then you have moments like Hand to God, you know, where someone has the balls to, I'm going to do this because the play is that good and will demand that people recognize it, even if it doesn't have stars. And bingo, it seems to be working quite well. So... It's easy to sit here and go, why can't we have all four plays be like Hand to God? It was like that in 1982 and in 92. But I get it. You know, it's made the not-for-profits in New York that much stronger because they're doing all the new plays. They're the ones winning all the Pulitzer Prizes of the last few years. Drama desks are going to the off-Broadway plays. They're just not getting the Tonys because it's hard for them to go to Broadway. You know? So speaking with people having the balls to take plays like that to Broadway, you've worked with a lot of producers over the years. Without getting too specific, although you want to mention names, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, some of your favorites or least favorites, or what are the skills that are, you think are necessary to produce a show on Broadway now? Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't do that for a living, right? I do the MCC thing, but I think... You know, it's a lot of work to produce a show on Broadway, whether it be a play or a musical. And you have to be all consumed all the time. Because sometimes a Broadway a Times review is not enough to make, you know, there's so many things to do marketing. I think you have to have, you know, balls. You know what I mean? And I don't, you know, that sounds crass, but I think you have to have real passion and real strength. You have to have access to economics and financial wherewithal, you know, proper budgets and proper reserves. Uh, and you have to do whatever you possibly can to get the word out there besides the New York Times review. Uh, and there's people I love casting for or I love watching because there's people who do that really well. Uh, and then there's sometimes, you know, they just rely on the reviews. Uh, again, if you're lucky enough to do that, great. You know, you know what I mean? But I think you do have to have, because it's a lot of work. I mean, my heart goes out to all of our clients that we cast for, and they've all become dear friends, and 
they come to MCC and I learn from them and I really respect what they're doing because it's really hard. I mean, there's so many other businesses they could be making much more money using their brains, you know. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed by every lead producer that we've worked for, the ones who are really on the ground and doing the work. Well, let's let's talk about your other gig. Yeah. Which most for most people casting most of the Broadway shows out there would be enough. But in the meantime, I know, but I have a the, great staff that helps do all the casting. So that's, on the side, for those of you who don't know, Bernie is also the artistic director of one of Off Broadway's coolest theaters, MCC, which helped launch Hand of God, uh, and is actually about to premiere Permission by Robert Askins, the author of Hand of God. How do you how do you juggle these two massive jobs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it seems easy, but it's tricky. I mean, you know, I run MCC with Bob Lapone and Will Cantler, who are the other artistic directors, and Blake West, our executive director. And there's an amazing, amazing staff at MCC and a great board of directors. But I, I think because they're both so different, I get to wear such different hats at both of these places that I truly love and am passionate about both. And I just make it work, you know. Definitely probably, you know, work all the time and have probably less friendships. You know, I found myself free on weekend and with nothing to do because I had no one to call. But, you know, that's my sad story. That was but, my uh, story. That was we your story. We should have called, yeah, exactly. called each other. We should each other. But uh, I don't know. I just really love, I mean, you know, we've been doing MCC almost 29 years and it's just a thrill to be you know, in the back of the house with Bobby and Will and watching Preview 11 and, you know, realizing that we're helping make this happen and introduce the people to Rob or, you know, getting to do the eighth play of Neil Abutes. You know, it's just, it's a real turn on. And then we get to really see it in all aspects from the marketing, from the development, from the fundraising. I don't know. It, 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 it sort of helps me, I think, personally, because it's such a balancing act and they're both so different. It makes me excited about casting when I don't have to do all the stuff except just cast. And then it makes me excited at MCC that I get to do the things that I can't do on, when I'm just casting. I don't know. It just works. And I have a very supportive family. <laughs> when I did uh, my podcast with Todd Hames, he actually described the role of an artistic director as a producer. You agree right. with that? Yeah, uh, very much so. I mean, Bobby and Will and I, none of us direct or act. Uh, we really just produce. It's, uh, Todd's the same way. He doesn't direct yeah, either. I yeah. It's fascinating. Would you ever produce on Broadway? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's just, I mean, the theater has had, you know, shows move and we've been involved, but I don't have the sort of, you know, right now in the raising the money thing, you know, because of raising money all year for MCC, which is different, not for profit and charitable. It's so different than raising money commercially. It's just about, that kind of time I don't seem to have between the casting and the not-for-profit. But the idea of producing a Broadway, totally, in a heartbeat. Let's get back to the, the casting part of it for a second. Any difference between casting for the theater versus film, television, style of acting, what you uh, look for? Yeah, it, I, I mean, it's, in some ways, no. You're looking for great actors. I was just teaching the Juilliard graduating kids, and you say, no, we're looking for great actors, and I want to believe you can do film, TV, or movies, uh, or theater. Uh, but just like the way it's clear that a musical is different than a play, they are different mediums. One is acting for the camera versus acting for the stage. 
and there's, I don't want to say there's techniques or, or, you know, little rules, you know, uh, but I definitely talk about that in class. You know, when you're acting for the camera, you really need to focus, you know, your, your work is in a small little box and that camera is right on top of your eyes and there's, you really have to be in the moment because there's no lying because the camera will see even if you're thinking about something else. And you can, in the theater, you're acting with your whole body and, you know, the camera isn't on your face. It's watching your whole being. So in some ways, your whole body has to be physical, but it's it's much bigger. I don't mean that means overacting versus interacting, but the camera is much more intimate. And uh, some people are really good at that. And it's... I think anyone can be good at it, but it takes a few more auditions for film and TV, as I've noticed, because a lot of theater actors, they don't even know where to look. And then, you know, the camera's already lost them, if that makes any sense. So it's, I, I think it's just about learning the technique of auditioning for film and TV more than it is acting for film and TV. Because those auditions are done just on the camera, no one's in the room, and you really have to learn how to play to the camera. But... We're looking for great actors all the time, so it's the same in that sense. Is there a trend in the style of talent that people are looking for? For example, when I was coming, when I was at NYU, when I was at Tisch, uh, it was early 90s, so we just had the British invasion, if you will. Right. So all that we were trying to do is sound like the singers from Les Mis. That's right. what we thought everybody right. wanted. Is that the case? Like after Rent, did yeah. everyone come in trying to do Roger? And is that what Broadway was looking for? Yeah, well, I think Broadway, not that we haven't had rock musicals in the past, Hair, blah, blah, blah. But I think since Rent, now they don't just come every 10 years. They're coming every season. Every season there's a pop musical or there's a rock musical or now there's a hip-hop musical, right? So you're looking for contemporary singers all the time, which is much different than... Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, as you said, Les Mis, or even, uh, you know, Sinheim. There's different qualities now, and anything goes. So you are looking for people, at least in the musicals, who have a real pop sensibility, uh, which I think 20 years ago you never would have ever thought that would work. So there's that, and I think... I mean, it happens every few years, but the New York talent pool has really had a a resurgence as far as... Because there's also so much television now happening in New York. More than ever before. And that means they really want people from New York. I mean, Hollywood and L.A. always wanted New York talent. But now that the New York TV shows are shooting here, they have to have that New York talent. So it's even given, you know, more people a shot. Look at the cast of Orange is the New Black. You know, I mean, you would never think that's a group of people who are going to do typical television. And there's so many of those kinds of shows happening here. Uh, and we've been doing a bunch more television in the last few years. And it's just exploding, which is great for all the New York talent pool. Uh, so it's not, you know, 10 years ago, it was like Law and & Order and that was it. You know, it used to be the joke, if you're an actor, you better be on Law and & Order. Now there's, you know... Every night. And forget about the cable. Uh, so I think there's a real hunger for New York talent now. At least I feel that way in the film and television. And, you know, of course it always was for theater. But, and the, it's not, and the British invasion, I mean, 
Now the rules for SAG and after and equity have gotten so much more lenient. It's really about talent anywhere. I mean, and because of the internet, you know, within an hour we can audition someone in Australia or we can audition someone in London, which I think personally is great. And the film and TV world is, you know, universally open to that. You know, equity still have crazy issues about, you know, green cards and stuff like that. And that makes it harder for non-U.S. citizens to work in the theater, which hopefully will fade away as time goes. Because I feel like a good actor should be able to work anywhere, even us working there. Have you cast anyone big from a video submission? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we just did it for this television pilot that we just cast. I mean, I'm trying to think of a story that I can tell you, I have to think, but, oh, you know, we just hired, I mean, these two kids out of Juilliard, you know, you know, he came in, he went on tape and the next day we sent it and he's the lead of a, of a new television show. I mean, he didn't fly to LA and have to be seen by 20 people. It was right here in this room where you and I are talking on tape, his first audition, not even graduated from Juilliard and he's the lead, the lead. I mean, you know, it's like. And you go, oh my God, but you know what? Happened again yesterday of something else. I mean, it just, it happens all the time, which is great because nowadays you can really trust, you know, the taped audition, uh, which is why you don't want to not be able to do that for plays. I mean, I know it's live theater and they should be in the room, but I don't want director A to not see actor A just because he's working in St. Louis. You know, I mean, we're not going to eliminate the live auditions, but when you have a great actor and they're just not able to be in the room, you still want to be able to audition. You know, and that's what I think the internet has really been great. Piece of advice for all those actors. I'm sure I have a lot of them listening in today. Sure. Uh, You know, as I say this all the time, be prepared. And you go, okay, what does that mean? It means, you know, know what you're auditioning for. Everything you can put, you know, you have to be a detective. Someone just said, here, read this one page of dialogue and, and go to Telsey's office tomorrow. You know, it's, it's your job to treat it like it's a gig. And like all that great stuff you learned in acting school about the research you do if you got cast, you need to do that same thing. You know, know who you're auditioning for. Know who might be in that room. Know the kind of material or the kind of work that they do. You know, know what the sides are. Is it from a movie that you could have read ahead of time that might inform you something about the role? Or if it's from a new play, read the play. Because the sides sometimes aren't clear enough. You know, find out what the breakdown is. I mean, you just, there's so many things rather than just the material. And, you know, I feel a lot of young actors don't know to do all that other homework, you know. Besides the, yes, go be an actor and go do good material, you know, do a good audition, but, you know, dress appropriately. You know, it's all of that kind of stuff. Be accessible in the audition. Be able to take direction of someone throws something at you. You know, it really has to be like your best blind date. I mean, you know, I said that earlier, but it really is that. You know, just like if you were really going on a blind date, you'd be thinking about what you wore even if you're a t-shirt person, you still would have hopefully thought about what's the best t-shirt I look good in. You know, you have to think about it. It doesn't mean wear a costume. It doesn't mean all that, but just think about everything besides just the material. All right. And our last question, which we're now 
calling the genie question on these podcasts, which is I want you to imagine that the genie from Aladdin comes down and comes into your office and says, Bernie, you've been such a great casting director. I'm going to grant you not three, but one wish. And with a snap of a finger, I can change one thing about Broadway. Whatever keeps you up at night, whatever frustrates you, whatever drives you crazy that you wish would just instantly go away or change or be better, you can do it with my snap of a finger. What would you ask that genie to change? Uh, Pay health benefits for casting directors on Broadway. (laughs) Uh, And I would say... Find a way to get the younger generation, and I don't mean kids, but those 20-year-olds to the theater somehow, besides just the musical theater fans who wait on the lottery, but somehow make it really accessible somehow for, you know, someone like my son who's 26 who grew up going to the theater and actually loves the theater and wants to go all the time but only goes when I take him because he can't afford it and he works in New York and has a life you know what I mean so and I feel like that's a not, that's a that's a audience member we're losing because if I wasn't still doing this we would have lost him right because he's not a musical theater freak lottery fan but yet he for 10 years has been going and loves going but is never going to go buy a ticket on his own or doesn't know about the lottery because he's not a playbill.com kid because he's an architect you know what I mean? And I feel like that worries me. You know, I see them at our theater at MCC because it's half the price of Broadway. Still expensive. Or it's a third of the price of Broadway. But that would be somehow. I don't blame that on anyone. But I would love to be able to figure out a way of how to get back to that 20-year-old, 27-year-old New Yorker and get them to the theater. Because they're right here. And they're all going to the Angelica for $15. Uh, and then health benefits for casting directors. Yeah, I'll take the health benefits for producers too okay. while yes, we're at exactly. it, Jeannie. Please. Yes. Uh, Bernie, thank you so much for sure. spending time with us. Uh, everyone, I think you can see why there should be a Tony Award for casting directors. Um, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.